Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Thursday, the 2nd of September. You're listening to Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer, on Talk Radio. As well as listening, you can, of course, also watch the show live. Talk Radio is now on your TV. Download the Talk Radio TV app or go to talkradio.tv for details on how to watch. Coming up, the Foreign Officers was warned in July that Afghan security forces were close to collapse and the Taliban could sweep to power. This emerged yesterday as Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab was questioned by MPs. Meanwhile, US President Joe Biden has condemned a new law in Texas banning abortion from as early as six weeks and vowed to defend women's constitutional rights. And third doses of the COVID vaccine will be offered to million people with, so half a million people with very poor immune systems ahead of the winter season. This, as a new study shows, the double jab are 50% less likely to get long COVID. It's coming up to 6.34. This is Talk Radio. Well, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Really appreciate you joining me. Lots to talk about. Uh, you probably, I mean, being a sane person, probably, you know, with a job, a life and and, and, and other things I actually watch, didn't uh, spend hours watching Dominic Raab, the Foreign Secretary, getting grilled by MPs on the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. But it... Uh, Probably was probably rather uh, an event he will be very, very happy to forget uh, in, in many years' time. Probably taking quite a while to get over it. But uh, quite a new uh, lot of uh, information emerged during that questioning, not least uh, from uh, Tom Tugendhat, the chair of that select committee, we're going to be talking to at seven o'clock. In particular, uh, crucial uh, evidence that although we'd had intelligence advice that actually we were looking at, uh, uh, you know, sometime later this year, in a matter of months, we'd see the Taliban uh, could take over Afghanistan. Actually, the foreign offices own intelligence assessment has said that actually the Taliban could take over and the Afghan government could fall very, very soon. Yeah, Dominic Robb still went away on holiday. Now, would him being on holiday have made any difference to events? Who knows? We may never know. Uh, well, we're going to be talking about all of that throughout the show. And we're also going to be talking about the latest uh, COVID figures and that booster jab for half a million of the most vulnerable, but no mass rollout of third jabs. And even if you've had the AstraZeneca, you will be getting Pfizer or Moderna as your third jab if you are part of those those half a million. Of course, still no decision on uh, 12 to 15 year olds getting the jab, which is good news. It shows they are actually standing up uh, to political pressure on that. In just a few moments time, we are going to talk to Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, telling us about uh, children in England going back to school and the tutoring programme available for them. First up, let me introduce you to my guest all this morning, Conservative commentator Benedict Spence. Good morning to you, Benedict. Good morning, Julia. How are you? Very well indeed. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, 
Um, what did you make of Dominic Raab uh, and the questioning at the Foreign Affairs Select Committee? Because often we see a lot of sort of showboating and attempts to ask, sort of, well, to look clever, clever uh, from a mm. number of MPs who perhaps don't know their stuff. I mean, yes, Claudia Ware, the Labour MP, I'm talking about you. I don't know what she does know, but this definitely <laughs> ain't her stuff. Uh, but when you have the likes of someone like Tom Tugan asking questions, who he's a mm. very a regular guest on this show, he does know his stuff. He's fought in Afghanistan. His own interpreter left mm. in Afghanistan. Afghanistan stranded there, unable to get out. He does know what he's talking about. And and his questioning of the foreign secretary was pretty devastating, wasn't it? I thought it was. Um, it, somebody did tweet out, actually, a very prominent journalist. I, I do feel that Claudio Webb's questions could have been better spent. And you thought, well, there, there's a statement for the ages, isn't there? <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it, it, that's the nature of uh, parliamentary democracy. You will end up, I'm afraid, with some MPs who are not up to the job. I would love it if all of them were quite as vociferous and thorough as Tom Tugendhat yeah. when uh, <laughs> questioning the Foreign Secretary. But alas, that's not the case. Um I, I must be said, I felt sort of rather forlorn uh, watching the questioning, no matter how good some of it was, uh, because it is all very sort of too little, too late. And yeah. I don't think it'll amount to very much in the grand scheme of things. Actually, there, wasn't, you know, there wasn't a killer moment. I mean, there rarely is at these events. Um, no. They they tend not to be you know, the big, quite the big drama that a lot of people think. But but I mean, some of them, the, the key, the key issue there is, is this idea that, well, look, everyone's intelligence, the Americans, the British, everyone else's intelligence was saying look, no one expects the Taliban forces to collapse that quickly. Um, the, the Americans had revised theirs from you know, later in the year to three months and then down to a month. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it got pretty darn close as it was. It was about nine days the first city being taken by them to the, to, to, the, to Kabul falling, but but even on that basis, the question seems to be, and so much focus has been on: Should the foreign secretary have gone away on holiday? I I'm sorry, I'd hold no candle for anyone in this government, but I still don't think the foreign secretary being on holiday makes a darn bit of difference to whether or not the um, you know we, we have an absolute abject chaos and and people left behind in Afghanistan. Yeah. I think that would have happened whether he was on holiday or not on holiday. I think the problems are far more deep than far deeper than that. Somebody else actually put that out there, uh, that idea. Who, what, what is anybody expecting Dominic Raab to have done, uh, you know, with a few extra hours? But rather than, you know, put, you know, sort of shrugging and going, that's fair enough. To me, actually, that's just more of sort of an indictment of the current state of the job of being foreign secretary, which is that actually we are not a power anymore. We are not a country that can uh, hold our own sort of on the international scale without basically the say so of the United States. Yeah. Uh, well, not, I, mean, well, well I, I don't know which other country is them. You got to remember that we have, you know, <laughs> well, um, France and Germany and, and everyone else. They all they all pulled out as well. But the key thing here is is you know okay, there was an exit. People weren't willing to stay and uh, and try and hold the Taliban back. That wasn't going to happen. So given that that wasn't going to happen. Should we, you know, should we be patting ourselves on the back saying, well, didn't we do a very good job getting out as many people as we did get out? Or should we be saying, hold on a minute, why were you getting people out in an emergency? Why were you not uh, getting people out sooner? Why didn't you believe that in, in intelligence? Um, I mean, Tom Tugendhat later on in interviews hinted, well, I don't think, you know, his, his, the, the strong suggestion was that he didn't think that the foreign secretary had actually read that intelligence. Certainly when he was reading it out, uh, the quotes mm. he'd been given, he said he'd seen this document from a source uh, in the Foreign Office um, that, uh, or, or it was certainly someone very well connected um foreign secretary at one point said you know what is that document well you know it was a document that was put in his red box now the reality is you know any cabinet minister will be given a very large number of red boxes to read and and it's up to the special advisors and the civil servants to make sure they see the important stuff and if someone didn't say mr rob have you seen that document Mm. saying that the taliban could be in charge within a matter of weeks and we should start evacuating now then then I'm sorry, an awful lot of people are to blame. 
I think it's certainly the latter case. I mean, actually, I don't buy this argument that says that nobody had any idea that this could happen. There yeah. were plenty of sources that were saying, perhaps not within a couple of days, but within a week, maybe a fortnight, the Taliban could be at the gates of Kabul. Um, you know, in which case, actually, all bets are off. It's not a question of, well, I can guarantee, I can confidently predict that they'll be at Kabul and the government will fall. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen at that point when I, you know, tens of thousands of our men turned up. But yeah, it does also say something, I think, as I was just alluding to earlier about the uh, the standard of MP. Now, Dominic Raab is somebody who supposedly is actually a bit of a control freak. He's actually yes. one of the better ministers. But the problem with that, of course, is we want to go, oh, very well done, Mr. Raab, aren't you working so hard? You cannot be, if you're a foreign secretary, on top of absolutely everything, yeah. if you insist that everything falls onto your desk and you will get things that you overlook and that you are not able, therefore, to give your full yeah. attention to. And that, I think, is as much a, a criticism of Mr. Rob as if we were saying, well, he was very lazy and didn't you know, didn't do it out of, out of choice. And that's the interesting thing is a lot of this seems to be about, you know, he's going on holiday. He's, uh, you know, he, he, he was too lazy. He, he, for some reason, was asked, I mean, numerous times, uh, nine times in total, he was asked when he went off to holiday in Crete and he basically refused to answer the question mm. I mean which is quite I mean, it's quite bizarre I mean, it's a really simple what, what day did you go on holiday I mean it's really simple so I um, mean it's a question of the fact that it's, uh, you know wh when did we know this and, and um, I, I, I do find yeah. a lot of this very strange because again most of the criticisms of him are that he's very control freaky in, in the office mm. um, people are rather fearful of him and his working style rather than that he's lazy he does definitely doesn't seem to have too many friends in his department or friends in mm. government, it would appear. I mean, meanwhile, I, is this a big risk of just you know, focusing on one thing? I mean, everyone's decided to put, you know, laser-like issue. Oh, it's all about him. Now, we know that, you know, Ben Wallace, Defence Secretary, him very much differ on, on, on a lot of these issues. Um, and it does appear, I mean, the, the eye of focused on this, UK cabinet ministers at war and Afghan blame game. Extraordinary Whitehall feud bursts into the open as Defence Secretary and Foreign Secretary trade blows over British government's exit from Afghanistan. Um, uh, ben Wallace has said that he argued back in July the game is up and the UK needed to accelerate plans to rescue local allies. Uh, mm. Rob is blaming the intelligence, bad intelligence for the Celtic withdrawal. Um, and uh, Ben Wallace has said history shows us that it's not about the failure of intelligence. So um, a, there is definitely a bit of a blame game here. Um, and, and I think an awful lot of um, Westminster is very much on the side of Ben Wallace rather than Dominic Robb, which probably doesn't bode well uh, for his future in, in the cabinet. Meanwhile, um, should we talk about the really important stuff, which is the people who are left on the ground? Uh, mm. Taliban victory parade wearing wearing U.S. uniforms and and parading U.S. military hardware, the Humvees, even a helicopter. Meanwhile, there's a bank crisis. Uh, the Taliban have been still going door to door, executing people. There's a ban on music. Uh, women still not you know, pretty much banned from public life and uh, um, ban on uh, mixed schooling. I mean, it does not bode well for Taliban light, Taliban, mm. uh, you know, 2.0, does it? It doesn't, but it was never going to. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing that you point out is that there is a banking crisis, which is that actually as soon as the Taliban became the government of Afghanistan, the international community imposed the sanctions that were imposed on the Taliban on the government of Afghanistan. Something like 40% of Afghanistan's GDP is reliant on international aid, and that just disappeared overnight. A lot of the banks uh, had assets frozen. People can't get their money out. Obviously, the Taliban therefore can't pay them, even if they want to go back and do, go back to work. And these are, I'm afraid, the very real 
repercussions. We've seen something similar, not quite so similar, but similar in terms of the the liquidity crisis in Lebanon. And you can see sort of the, you know, the, the massive impact that that has on people's ability to work and therefore on yeah. a society to function. And the international community needs to recognize Afghanistan is a lot larger than a, than a basket case like Lebanon. And this will have serious repercussions. I mean, it, you want a recipe for how to radicalize people very quickly. Well, the international community could take away all of the money of all of the people and they can't work and then they stop. And then their only recourse is the fanatical organization that is going door to door with guns. Yeah, that's exactly. not a very good recipe. That Exactly. We, we yeah, th- nothing, nothing good ever comes of people being uh, desperate to eat and, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, pay for their housing and things. Um, let's also turn our attention back home and look at, talk about COVID. Um, this booster program that's going to go ahead from next uh, week. Um, the boosters are being uh, rolled out for uh, half a million of the most vulnerable. Still no JCVI. That's the body that gives advice to the government uh, on, on who should get the vaccine next. Uh, still no decision on 12 to 15 year olds. I find very encouraging it means they're not giving in to the extraordinary political pressure that they are facing uh, to uh, to roll that out to, to youngsters. Um, this, of course, as children go back to school, the usual bleating from the National Education Union and others going, oh, well, you know, schools aren't safe. Despite all the evidence, I mean, 18 months now of evidence showing that teachers are at no bigger risk during term time than holiday time and no bigger risk than any other person being at work. I, I don't know why they think that that, that teachers are such a big risk. Um, and, uh, and kids are going back, but they're facing all this testing. But so many people, and I am incredibly worried that, and we're going to talk to Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, in a few moments about this, that it's only a few weeks or months before we're back in masks in classrooms, bubbles, goodness knows what else, uh, in schools possibly even being closed again. I, I could absolutely see that all happening again. It just sort of fills my heart with dread. Same for me. I think we will look back in 10 years and we will be aghast at what we put our children through I, and the impact I, that it I has on their back, education. I looked back in May and June last year and realised, that's what, what is everyone else mm. not seeing? I think that this is going to have such long-term repercussions. I, I, you know, really, uh, the, the, the fact that children are having their education disrupted, and I, for what it's worth, am not a particularly big fan of this government's education programme as it is. I think that it isn't rigorous enough. I think it doesn't go far enough. And the fact that it is being interrupted quite so frequently as it is, I think bodes incredibly poorly for a country that is trying to get itself back on its feet, is ostensibly trying to go itself, yeah. go it alone in the rest of the world. Actually, the last thing you want to be doing is throwing a grenade into your education system, yeah. which is what we continuously are doing. At Absolutely. Moment, and again, um, in terms of our European neighbours, so we are the second uh, highest in terms of the number of days missed of schooling. Absolutely extraordinary. Uh, and uh, no better COVID results as, as, as a matter of uh, that. Well, let's talk to Kevin Williamson, Education Secretary, up next uh, here on Talk Radio. Don't forget, uh, this is Talk Radio. We're now on your TV. You can download the Talk Radio TV app or go to talkradio.tv for details on how to. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.